Hello and welcome to What Makes Us Read, or something similar. Um, I'm George. Hello. Uh, this is Mum. Hello. I'm Mom. Your Mum. We have to well, be true to Janet? ourselves. Jeez. Yeah, okay. that's fair. I guess we okay, can call you so. Janet. I just can't say that. That's. You can't call me Janet. No, it I'll makes it makes my eyes cross. You'll punch me. <laughs> <laughs> Through the internet. Hello, the internet. Thank you for listening to hey. our little book conversations. Um, today we're going to talk about audiobooks. Audiobooks, audiobooks. Books in your ears. I, I, what it, what made us think about this one? What, where did we get this one from? Um, well, so was it when we were watching QI and they said, did people think that audiobooks was real reading? Mm-hmm. Was that it? Yeah, do audiobooks count as real books? Which I think, I mean, I think we were pretty aligned on it before. I don't know if anything has happened to change your opinion, but I'm I'm strongly of the opinion that yeah, yeah, audiobooks absolutely count as a as reading a book. I mean, I think they do, but I also think that you have to use different skills to read a physical book. Oh, certainly. So, I think they're still valid, but I I think they're they're both separate experiences, if you like. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's all it's all story, right? It's all story, which is what we love. Yeah. So we'll take a we'll take a little jaunt through the timeline here. Start in the past. Let's talk a little bit about how audiobooks got started. Um, why, oh, dude! How long ago do you think uh, the first audiobook was recorded? Um, I think maybe the. Late 60s, early 70s? Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, no, maybe earlier than that, because I think I've seen, like, Disney stories on vinyl. Ah, yeah. So, in 1932... So oh, my gosh, no. <laughs> the American Foundation for the Blind began uh, recording books onto vinyl records. Um, each side okay. held about 15 minutes worth of the book. Which sounds mm-hmm. just nightmarish. Um, you certainly couldn't put that book on to go to sleep because you'd be getting up all the time to flip the sides. But I do love that it was started by the American Foundation for the Blind. Like, what a beautiful effort at accessibility. Uh, and it was really successful. Uh, a year later, Congress passed an amendment that allowed the Library of Congress to begin recording books on vinyl. And they started, you know, they were doing like Shakespeare as the earth turns, et cetera, et cetera. A really kind of beautiful uh, endeavor. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and we are specifically talking about the USA. We didn't um, look into, you know, like where the first book recording was uh i think the usa might have started as out the the first proper audiobook was recorded in 1933 yeah so jp harrington drove the length of north america to capture histories of native american tribes on discs using a car battery powered turntable okay but i guess it depends on what you define as audiobook right like that's so there's something that happened in 1933 right that's technically an Mm -hmm. audiobook it is a story yeah i mean just to clarify you know i think that 
and I'm, I'm making an assumption here, sorry, George, but... Um, How dare you? I know, making an assumption. Um, Interesting. But, uh, yeah, sorry, breaking it up, you know, words. But um, <laughs> that... <laughs> when we talk about books, it's anything that tells a story, right? And, we're t- you know, whether they be, you know, native stories, whether they be, you know, by some big name novelist, they're all, we're covering all of those under the sort of book umbrella, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, so I I did a little bit more looking, um, and uh, historian Matthew Rubery has what... He thinks is the first British produced audiobook. Uh, it was this information was come by uh, looking over old catalogs. So you know it's a yeah. it's a probably the first British produced audiobook um, recorded in 1934. Okay, do you know what the book was? I do. You want to take a guess? Mm, I'm trying to think because that was quite a long time ago. I'll give so. it to you if you could get the author. I think that would be enough. Is it Shakespeare? It isn't Shakespeare, though. That's a good one. It's actually Agatha yeah. Christie. Oh, my gosh. The murder of Roger oh, Ackroyd. Oh. Now, see, it makes sense now you said it, like so many things. But um, I, because Agatha Christie is still so prominent in the modern world, mm-hmm. I forget how, how long ago she was actually active as a novelist. Yeah. Yeah, so she seems she does seem a little eternal. She has like that same Anne Rice kind of gothic staying power that suggests you were sort of here before me and you will be here after me somehow. And yeah, like a permanent fixture. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. But it's pretty amazing. And you know, so most of the inspiration for recording these books was for um, blind and dyslexic uh, readers. Um, a lot of what happened. So in 1948, Anne McDonald founded Recording for the Blind and Dyslexic uh, via the New York Public Library's Women's Auxiliary because there were so many soldiers who had lost their sight during World War II. And because the GI Bill of Rights guaranteed college education to the veterans, it was like a terrible pitfall because most of the texts were inaccessible to them because they didn't read Braille and and it's not like they had the money to hire someone to read for them. And not wanting to interrupt you, but I'm interrupting you. Um, (laughs) Going back to what... (laughs) When you first said that it it was started by the American Foundation for the Blind and you said that was kind of cool, I have to just sort of, um, you know agree and and reaffirm what you were saying the fact that um this idea came out of a need you know it was actually meeting individuals needs it wasn't just something somebody came up with and said hey we can make a load of money if we start putting yeah. stories onto recordings it was the fact that they were reaching a population who like you just said didn't have access to um any kind of text really so i like that yeah, me too. So this uh, Anne McDonald, you want to hear the motto that she used to mobilize the women of the auxiliary? Go on. Education is a right, not a privilege. Ah, oh, huh. you love it. That's that's the good yeah, stuff. It really is. I mean, I think you know it, and it's still relevant today. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know. It does. It feels incredibly gatekept. You know, 
and it should not be mm-hmm. it should be accessible for all and you know I, um i've been finding a lot of joy in my neighborhood's little free bookstores the little public libraries that are just like oh yeah, yeah yeah a little birdhouse full of the books that people um, are donating to the community that's that's exactly the sort of thing i want to see more of you know just sharing stories like i mean that. i agree with you but i have to tell you that um during and maybe a bit post-covid uh i stopped kind of frequenting those little birdhouse libraries which you know i guess i need to get over but i i you know i don't think anyone would blame you for that at all I, you know no. you don't want to be uh spending too much time in a place where we're passing a lot of hands back and forth certainly uh, yeah although as your sister reminded me just the other day the cdc did say sometime either during or after the pandemic or the main part of the pandemic that it, it isn't passed by hard surfaces or it doesn't uh, live long on hard uh. surfaces so maybe that's you know, null and void at this point. So I need to get over it. Well, listen, anyway. I think there's never there's never too much paranoia you can have for airborne disease. Well, that's true. So... Uh, so back um, to audiobooks. Yeah, exactly. I want to bring us a little bit out of the past, but not all the way out of the past. Um, because one of the main ways I got interested in stories was via audiobooks. Um, so I want to kind of, you know, the more recent past and, and my present, just talking about how much I enjoyed falling asleep, listening to Martin Jarvis, <laughs> reading my <laughs> Just William stories to me or, or yeah. the tape, cassette tapes of SEO Trot and the dinosaurs yeah. audio serialization. It really, you know, I think. Do you think that that supported your interest in reading or your, you know, your ability to learn to read? Yeah, I really became, I feel like, I feel like I was really just enamored by the characters so much, you know, and that makes total sense for things like Just William. It really is such like a group of caricatures <laughs> that make up their gang, you know, the kids. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, I used to find a lot of uh, comfort in those stories, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. that, that sort of, that was one of the main things that led me to the realization that you can read a book or hear a story and be presented with ideas and thoughts that you had previously thought only existed in your own mind, you know, that, that like recognizing, uh, recognition of just like all the possibilities of the world i don't know that really that's really yeah. where uh where audiobooks took me as a kid and then into like reading fantasy and reading fiction at large i mean i think um that particularly when you're in your formative years as a young child because you were listening you know and i might i just want to add that i did also read to you and daddy did read to you when you were going to bed we oh didn't yeah just throw you in bed at and put on a story. Sure, so, sure, yeah. sure, sure. I was never trying to infer as such. No, no, no. I, I just, just in case anybody ever heard this, I want to. <laughs> <know>. but, um, <laughs> CPS, you don't need to launch any retroactive investigations. Whatever. The statute of limitations um, is well past that, so get aft. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that um, 
as a young child and then as you're sort of like developing particularly into adolescence and things um stories can be quite reassuring that you're not you know there is somebody else out there there is somebody else who's thought some of the things similar to what you've thought and mm. as you know and i think there's something really comforting in that especially you know as you're growing up you know and to hear hear it like spoken to you as you're going to sleep at night or even if you're not going to sleep and you're just lying awake in bed <laughs> supposed to be going to sleep i th- <laughs> i think it you know that as a kid it's, it's really comforting yeah and i slept i mean i slept terribly as a child too i was always i was so fussy so having fussy. having that extra like bit of comfort is so meaningful. well yeah, and, and it has the added bonus of introducing you to you know, literacy, you know, or literature, I should say not, and literacy, I suppose. Yeah. And now I w- would laugh because I... Go on. I'm just not, I'm not in my head, but obviously <laughs> <That's> <laughs> not good. in your head doesn't re- get recorded. <laughs> Great for an audio <laughs> medium. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I do that all the time. Um, I was going to say, I don't have a lot of current activity with audiobooks oh. i i it's okay. it's been a while i sort of transitioned to podcast for my like soothing sounds but i mm-hmm. think also i've only just recently gotten back into reading books on on paper so maybe this will be a a an expansion of my uh methods of consumption now that i've learned a little bit more about it so as you know i as long as you've known me which is you know, however old forever. you are, 28 years or whatever. However yeah, old, no. good. However old you are, I've always been, you know, a sort of, no, I wouldn't say obsessive, but definitely committed reader. Oh, yeah. And um, and I've always slept pretty well. So um, I would read before I go to sleep and that would be that. Mm. And then after a certain point in my life, which is, you know, a mature point in my life without talking numbers, obviously do I do that? <laughs> but, um... I started sleeping less well mm-hmm. and then I would still read to try and go to sleep. It didn't work so well. And then I, I think within the last mm, year or so, I've somehow just lost the ability to focus on reading physical books. But also prior to that, daddy always, you know, like to listen to audiobooks, like if you're driving to work and things, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or when you're driving. But anyway, that's what he did. <laughs> and I started, <laughs> and through him, I started listening to books on tape as a way of going to sleep, which worked for a while. So I've kind of got this, um, you know, weird thing, like all my life until I was, you know, well into middle age, been an avid reader, mm-hmm. and then started listening to audiobooks as a way of, relaxing to go to sleep and then losing the focus to be able to read physical books and so then I wasn't just using audiobooks to go to sleep they were actually my sort of storytelling hit if you like mm-hmm. but since you and I have been talking about recording something talking about books blah, blah 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 I started reading a physical book again about a week ago and nice um, congratulations now, yeah, and and it's going it's going really well. I can I'm just as obsessive as I ever was. Yeah, really well, so. that's what I'm talking so about. I haven't, I haven't lost the skill. Yeah, 
but I'm also like very aware of the fact that now I've got two stories running in my head. <laughs> I've got the one that I listen to when I'm actually going to sleep or like today I was cleaning up in the kitchen and I saw I had my audio book playing, right? Sure. But then I've also got this physical book, which I really want to get back to because I want to find out what happens in the end. So, um, so that's my sort of recent experience. But I also think that one of the things with audiobooks that is really important to me is I've got to like the narrator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have, I've turned books off if I don't like somebody's voice. <laughs> yeah, like, there's absolutely. There's one guy. Oh, my gosh. So, And a lot of the books that I listen to, because I find them particularly relaxing and I use them at bedtime, um, are like either Irish or Scottish um, narrators. And mm-hmm. there was this one guy reading uh, Hamish Macbeth, mystery oh sure which was written by mc beaton um rest her soul but um and he had the worst fake scottish accent and i just there are certain books in that series that i just won't listen to i will not listen to them ah that's rough so that that's another another aspect of the whole audiobook thing Oh yeah, you it, it's absolutely true though. You do you need a good narrator otherwise it is just unbearable. Um my I had a few good friends recommend me recently the book The Black Tongue Thief by Christopher Buhlman. Um okay. Uh for the exact reason that the audiobook that they were both listening to this couple is just the most delightful Irish voice they've ever heard. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I I can't fault them for it. I agree. I, I, I'm sure I will love it. Wow. That remains to be seen then. I should have to <laughs> listen to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say, if you listen to it, Mom, and you don't like it, we'll, we're not going to bring it up on the podcast just in case we hurt their feelings. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, each to their own kind of thing. But, um. It is definitely an important thing. What do you... Here's my thing. Ugh, I, I feel like I already kind of know the answer to this. But if you had to choose between someone who is like, I have a nice voice. I've got a rich voice. This is something that is just pleasant to listen to. And I'm going to be reading all of these characters with minor vocal inflections among changes. Or do you like someone who's like, I've got a good voice as well. I'm, I'm here, like, pleasant to listen to. But I'm doing character voices, baby. It's high and pitchy for the ladies. It's down and gravelly for the toughies. You know what I mean? Like, which do you have a preference? Well, so here's my take on that. Because I, I do have a take on it. Um, the I don't mind minor inflections. Like, I'm listening to one at the moment where the author is actually narrating it which i wasn't sure i was gonna like because i was like is that just you being ch- cheap or but it's actually quite good at, and i also think there is something kind of um authentic about having the person who wrote the words read the words mm-hmm. yeah katie's listening to the prince harry book right now and she's like it's weird way too much conversation about his genitals but when it is nice it's nice because it's him actually talking about it and it's like oh Whoa. But that also goes for why it's terrible when he talks about body stuff, because it's like, oh, this is clearly honest, terrible news. Uh, 
Okay, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to pause on Prince Harry and just go back to your original question. That's totally I'm fair. Not sure what. I'm not really interested no, in talking no. about him. Okay, cool beans. So I don't mind, um, so like this one I'm reading at the moment, the author's reading it, and he, you know, uh, makes slight adjustments for if he's um, speaking as a male or female character, but it's enough that it still brings the character to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has also gotten other people, other narrators to read accents that he clearly is not able to do, you know, like certain um, Asian dialects and things like that. He's gotten somebody else who's actually got that accent or knows how to. Oh, nice. Mimic it. But, yeah, that you know, I so think that is definitely the move. Um, and then I've also listened to like, you know, take it in Hamish Macbeth again, because, you know, the Scottish accent is very um, specific. Mm-hmm. But the the guy who reads those books that I like, who is actually Scottish, he makes a lot of differentiation <laughs> between like older characters, younger characters, different, um, you know, between male and female characters and children and things like that. But he does it effectively. So if you can do it well, I don't care. You know, that's my bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to, that was sort of where I, uh, I was leading to when I said I felt like I might know the answer is that it really does depend on how well you do it. I think of, I can't remember the book, but I remember listening to something narrated by Kenneth Williams, you know. Oh, yeah. Going for the voices, right? Like swinging for the yeah. fucking sky. And it worked. It wasn't always what I would call accurate. Like if I had to identify a person via the voice, it wouldn't hold up in court. But it was it just it was so entertaining and it was so like well done in such a way that I was like, yeah, I'm completely immersed. Yeah. And that was I mean, part of him as a performer, I think, was that he was able to, you know, make sort of variations on his is voice um, effective to characters mm. without it sounding forced or or unrealistic? Do you know what I mean? Um, he's one of those sort of performers that have just been able to do that. I mean, I'm trying to think of other people who kind of play with their voice as actors or performers. I really like Andy Circus. I think he's got a lot of like, yeah. range there. But... That yeah, might be absolutely. kind of born of the VFX stuff that he did. Maybe so. Maybe so. But I think his background, if you look at it, is a kind of where he does a lot of physical performance generally, and that mm-hmm. includes sort of vocalization, adjustments to his voice and that. So he's yeah. probably a good example. I wonder if he's done any audiobooks. Oh, I bet he has. We'll have to look that oh, up and update on the next episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so maybe um, I'm just looking at how long we talked because I know that you and I can talk forever. <laughs> God forbid. Yeah, we, we didn't talk about a uh, time limit, but I was thinking like 30 minutes for this initial. Yeah, that sounds know, good te- to me. Test recording. Then do we want to okay. talk about looking into the future and talking about just what kind of audiobooks or what impact we hope to have audiobooks make on our lives in the future? Sure. I mean, so is that what you want to do for our next, you know, test or... Oh, no, I was just going to say for the next couple of minutes, just chat about that and then wrap it up and then we'll have a 30-ish minute episode. Okay, so 
Well, tell me what your thoughts are on that, because I actually don't remember the question. It wasn't wasn't very long. (laughs) Get out of here. Or the the impact, the impact that audiobooks have on our past, present and future. Was that it? (laughs) Yeah, sort of. Well, so looking ahead, how do you hope to change the way you interact with audiobooks? Or how do you hope to see new steps in the realm of audiobook recording i would really love to see group performances uh made more accessible and i mean i'm sure that's like a financial thing you have to pay so many voice actors but i'm a big fan of like i've heard panto performances or similar stuff just with you know uh, a different actor for each character uh, over mm-hmm. over a certain mm-hmm. line count, obviously. And I think that's really successful. And I think for better or for worse, people like to have their attention grabbed more these days. And that might be a way to do it. I mean, I think that goes back to, well, what do we consider uh, an audio book? Because if you think about the early days of radio, when they used to put, uh, yeah. you know, like, you know, in England, there's a long running soap opera that still plays every day based in a a country community and they have different actors for each role, for each character, you know, is that considered a book or is what you're talking about taking a book and then assigning a voice actor to each character and then maybe having one person who does all the non-speaking parts? Oh, yeah, the narration. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should start in some little books and just have a go. <laughs> <laughs> We've got our, you know, audio recording software set up. It's time. I'm recording a book, damn it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, you know, I think as well that it's come a long way, and I'm looking at the counter now, but it's come a long way with the digital file era, you know, where you can just go to the library online and download a book. Yeah. So, so, I, you know, I think that was a huge step forward as far as accessibility goes, which isn't actually what we're talking about. But No, but I mean, it sort of is. Talk about the future. But again, with the original goal of the first audiobooks, I think accessibility is the goal. It always is. Yeah. Not, knowledge is a right, not a privilege. Well, so I think that has taken us from the past through the future to this present where that's about all we have for this episode thank you for listening to us waffle on about audiobooks for a little while this is your own short version of an audiobook um thank god that we didn't go for a second disc uh mom anything to say before we (laughs) head on out of here just uh, no just uh thank you anybody who might be listening and um this was fun and i I look forward to um, taking it somewhere else, maybe sharing some audiobook experiences. Uh, yeah, we could do another, we could do a catch up episode when we next listen to an audiobook. For sure. Cool. Sounds like a plan. All right. Well, that's all from us. Um, until next time, remember education is a right, not a privilege. It's a right, not a privilege. Good night. Bop, 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 bop. Bop, bop. <laughs>